Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, my name is Matt Adler, and I had the pleasure of sitting in with Zach and Dustin on $2 Late Fee. I implore you to listen, because I say a lot of smart things. You know those guys who think they know everything about a movie without having to go on the internet to look it up? That's us, but maybe only for the years 1981 through mid-1989. No, I'd say late 1978 through early 1992. (laughs) Either way, we know movies. And even more specifically, we know soundtracks from those movies. Yeah. This is $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. This is the podcast where we pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it still holds up today. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Thanks for listening. On to the show. I've done all kinds of camps. Soccer, sailing, computer, tennis, even chess. This unique challenge of the great outdoors. Until this guy showed up. What's going on back there? Nobody really great ever slept in dirt. Campsite's about a half a mile on the other side of this gorge. I'm scared. You ever see a picture of Da Vinci pitching a tent? No. Actually, I never knew that was gaseous haze. I always thought that was gaseous state. So it's not gaseous state. No. You confirmed that it's gaseous <laughs> haze. I'm looking at the lyrics as we speak to Wild Frontier by Bruce Hornsby, the song that's featured in the 1987 movie Whitewater Summer, the movie we're talking about today. What is a, a gaseous haze? haze? Well, I always thought gaseous state. I'm like, that's a weird thing to say because... It's implying that you're full of gas. Like an indigestion, sort of a. <laughs> and a gaseous haze sounds like still kind of not that great. You Right, you just did a lot of drugs and. Ten lanes and tall boys going both ways. <laughs> this is the song we chose. This is weird. Bruce. El Dorado riding on the fringe. Aztec princess. Take revenge. Well, tall boys are beer, right? Aztec princess. Take revenge. This ain't my style. This ain't my home. I'm going where it's safe to roam. No, that's badass. Take me all the way back to the wild frontier. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. Yeah. That makes sense But the <laughs> there's a lot that can be implied. So obviously, so that's one of the featured songs from Whitewater Summer, the movie that we're talking about today um that's bruce hornsby's the wild frontier yep gaseous yep. haze <laughs> gaseous haze yeah that's what it should be called i mean we'll, we'll get back to that later on in the episode i'm sure i'm sure coming in at number 10 gaseous haze <laughs> by bruce hornsby there's obviously a lot to unpack in that song and we will get to that and the whole soundtrack because this is one of those soundtracks that for me was uh, like a Holy Grail soundtrack, mm. where I thought, man, if they ever release this as a complete soundtrack, I will be, I'll be happy. Right, because to be clear, this was not 
Nope. A soundtrack, really. You couldn't purchase this. As far as I know, I mean, in the credits, it says soundtrack available on whatever. Uh, right, and so it's a liar. Yeah, it is. One of the many. That one of the many lies. One of the many. One oh, many movies. Not not like Whitewater has a bunch of lies. But one but, of the many yeah. misleading um, ideas that this movie has, <laughs> Whitewater Summer. And obviously, we're doing this episode because why, Dustin? Why well, are we doing this episode? You know what? I feel like before we say anything, I really, in the interest of full disclosure, no one would ever know this, but in the interest of full disclosure, this is the second time we were recording this Whitewater Summer episode because <laughs> I somehow lost my portion of the episode. Um, I feel very ashamed. It was like 48 hours of, of distraught me being like, where did I put it? Um, but it's kind of a happy accident, really, because that was our first episode being in quarantine and we didn't really have our rhythm down. So, uh, at least that's what you said very gently and kindly to me to make me feel better about losing it. But um, no, it's so, true. So this, is, so this is round two. So if this episode is not the is not the best, most polished, like tight episode, we have no excuse. I have no excuse. <laughs> well, yeah, because I, I, full disclosure too that that was the first episode we recorded in quarantine where I after I was done, I even said, I'm like, man, that just, it, I don't, something fell off on my. You yet. said it to yourself. Yes. Like you 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 stop recording. You said. Zach, that's, that feels just weird. Yeah, because I talk in third person all the time. Right, right. Because that's actually, mm-hmm. that's how I get the most love in my life is through. Right, <laughs> right. You're a good person. Stuart Smalley is my, Stuart Smalley, Smalley, is that his name? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's my, um, yeah. he's my, no, he's not. Your spirit animal? He's not my spirit animal yeah. at all. Uh, but, <laughs> but I remember when we recorded that, I was like, yeah, I felt like that would be a solid do-over. So here we are. Interesting, and I, yeah. I so the universe. I know you felt that way. When I, I mean, maybe I did. Maybe that's why I deleted it on. Yeah, subconsciously. I deleted my portion. There are no accidents. Um, but to your actual question, this is the um, this is kind of the precursor episode to our interview with the great Matt Adler, who recently joined Instagram. Welcome, Matt, and any social media. Um, when we interviewed Matt originally, he had not had he didn't have any social media. Uh, he didn't know what it was. He was like, "What's? What are you guys talking about? I don't know. Uh, I'm just a caveman." <laughs> and we were like, "Well, you know, you can use it for marketing. It's kind of good." And uh, I mean, I, I'm sure it had nothing to do with us. But anyway, so he's so a shout out to him, Matt Adler, who is um, really most well known to us and probably our audience as Rick Kane in North Shore. Yep, the great the great Rick Kane. Of course, he's uh, he's in this movie. Uh, as well as a uh, sort of a supporting character, Chris. Well, we chose this movie because we had already talked about North Shore to an extent. And yes. if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to it because it's really good. Yep, and, and our interview with John Philbin, who plays Turtle in that movie. That was like the precursor to John's yeah. interview. Absolutely. Right? And then after we did that, we said, well, we didn't want to just do a, like a best of Matt Adler. Let's choose a movie that we enjoyed back in the day, see if it still holds up. Yep. And we chose Whitewater Summer because he has a pretty prominent role in the film. He's a supporting actor in the movie. He is. And, and I think Whitewater Summer is just a movie overall that doesn't get a lot of love. Nope. It doesn't get a lot of... Um, not, a, not a lot of people have seen it. And this was a movie that... I mean, it's kind of a, a marketing disaster in my opinion. It came <laughs> yes. out in, in 87. Um, Columbia Pictures just slaughtered this movie as far as marketing like it, it it had a different name at one point it was called rights of summer um, rights of summer but this is a movie and as i'm sure you you heard in the trailer it's like it just suffers from not knowing what it is supposed to be yeah we don't know if it's a comedy we don't know if it's a drama we don't know if it's a buddy movie uh, the, the they kind of focus on this movie as if it is like kind of like Lethal Weapon or something where it's like, you know, Sean Astin's like, I'm getting too old for this shit. It's just like, it's just very weird in his relationship with with um, Kevin Bacon. But before I, we get into all that, I guess I should, we should probably talk about what this movie's about and, yeah. you know, our personal connections to it. Yeah, I mean, well, like you said, it came out in 87, even though it was, was made a few years prior because they did reshoots later on where Sean Astin is noticeably older yeah, like crazy. Puberty is it's crazy, in. yes. Kevin Bacon and Sean Astin are the two leads in the film. 
But then you run down the cast, and you've got obviously Matt Adler, who plays Chris. Uh, you've got Jonathan Ward, Beans who, Baxter. Beans Baxter. Special place for me, Beans and Baxter. 26 episodes on Charles in Charge. 26 episodes of Charles in Charge and Beans Baxter. <laughs> and some other things, but yeah. I got him a little confused with the other, I hate to, like, redhead stereotype, but I used to get him confused with the guy in Critters. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Scott. Scott Ames? Scott, no. No, that's Williams. Scott Grimes. Scott Grimes. Does not start with an A. Scott Ames, Scott Grimes. Scott Grimes, Scott Grimes. Grimes yeah. Yeah, who actually yeah. uh, kind of has a Richard Marks music career, by the way. Oh. He's got some few uh, records out that are pretty decent. Didn't know that. Yeah, fun fact. Um, but, and then and then you've got Casey Martell, who plays George, who I only knew up until that point from being on Growing Pains. Right, and also E.T. Oh, yeah, And e. The Friends. That's right. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Let's bring him back memories. Yeah. Um, but that, it, you know, th- those are the principles in the movie. It really focuses on those guys. The, the concept is, the plot is, Sean Astin is this nerdy chess kid. Uh, when, <laughs> when, when that was like a total stereotype, and it's like, oh, people who don't go out in the wild yeah. older, uh, you know, they don't know what life is kind of thing. Right. And <laughs> that's a bunch of bullshit, in my opinion, by the way. I just want to put that out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he doesn't. His parents sign him up for this summer camp. But yeah, he goes into the wild with this group of boys and a summer camp. Not a summer, like a like a week expedition. It's it's not even an authorized program. And that's kind of like the overall premise of the movie. Like you know, where this kid goes into the wild with a guy he doesn't even know and a couple of the kids. Yeah, with the, with the kind of the hope of like self discovery, quote, becoming a man. Yes. Sean Astin's character, Alan, his parents are very concerned that Alan is too concerned with books, you know, and learning. And they don't like that, but they want him to go out into the woods and like, you know, kill stuff and be be a man in their eyes and and that kind of thing. So they have Kevin Bacon come in, Kevin Bacon's character named Vic. Comes um, to his house, which is really weird. Comes to his house to give up a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> about what Vic does, where he just he trucks these these boys out on a on an expedition and teaches them how to fish and teaches them how to do stuff and you know and then they come out of the week long. I think it is like a week. I think it's supposed to be. They don't know, say. They, they don't really don't say. say. But it's like you you assume like okay, it's we know it's not the, the whole summer. No, even but, though it's whitewater summer. Yeah. And rights of summer. It's all very strange. But by the time he's done, we are like his parents are like, "Yep, he's gonna be a man." But John Aston's like, "Well, I don't know if I want to do this, mom." And then cut to like, they're in the van, and then they're they're the awesome. Take me all the way back. Wild Frontier song kicks in to the Wild Frontier, and that song is minus the gaseous state. It's it's a brilliant song. I love that song. It's got a killer fiddle in it. Killer Fiddle, dude. Killer like, fiddle. the only time I ever heard Killer Fiddle was in John Mellencamp songs, you know? Check it out. Right. And then, and then Dave Matthews with the, with the with that one fiddler guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've never Reynolds. been a Dave Matthews fan. I just, it's just that, that summer of Dave Matthews where it was oh like, everyone was like, you, you could not go anywhere without hearing a Dave Matthews song on the radio. He revitalized jam, jam rock. Right. The jam band. Mainstream, and, mainstream yeah. jam rock. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. I mean, look. I was a DMB guy back in the day for a minute, and, and songs come on, and I'm like, burp, 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 burp. You wake up in the morning. But then after a month, after a little bit, and you know, I'm like, okay, this is cool, but I don't need to hear it 24 yeah. 7. But yeah, Bruce Hornsby, though, like, people, people lump him into the kind of, because he went into like kind of a jazzy soft rock phase well i think too i think if you're not really a bruce hornsby fan yeah. you kind of only know him you know like your only association with him would be like that's just the way it is yeah so there's not you're like or mandolin yeah. rain yeah mandolin rain uh, which is off the, the wizard both which are both off the same album on the wild frontier right which is you know it's kind of limited exposure i've never dug that deep into bruce hornsby um, I did for a minute. Yeah, I well, was obsessed. I mean, he's he's done a lot of stuff. Yeah. He's, and he's you know he's he's produced and he's uh, he didn't produce this record though. Huey Lewis did. Huey Lewis did, and that's which is, why which is amazing. It's such a great record. Harmonica. Oh my god. Tootin. 
Huey yeah. Lewis. Yeah. yeah, every song on that on that album, in my opinion, is a, uh, T to B is a great album. Yeah. But yeah, this that song kicks in uh, Wild Frontier, and it kind of set and it sets off the the movie's tone. But there's there's it, it, dispersed throughout this film are these really awkward uh, after after uh, afterthoughts, I guess, uh, of segments of Sean Astin kind of. Flash forward two years later, three years later. Right. Well, it's right. Later. So, so what you were speaking about earlier when they when they Columbia Pictures for some reason they shot this movie and somebody said we don't have enough cohesion here. Um, right. In eighty five. Right. So, so the movie was shot in eighty five. They came back two years later, um, and Sean Astin was at that perfect puberty point where he just had that gigantic like spurt where he was like, I'm Mikey from Goonies. And like, no, now I'm a man. I'm a cool guy. But they went back and they shot these narration sequences that to me add absolutely nothing to the movie. And I don't, it it, it absolutely confuses me. But essentially, yeah, you, you now have Sean Astin in the future as a narrator who's saying like, hey, let me tell you about the one summer that I had that, you know, like, like he's clearly he's clearly a very cool guy now. He's you know wearing a Hawaiian shirt and yeah, and you know no more braces for this guy, <laughs> and he's gonna tell you how to basically be cool. Is that sort sort of what the what the sense is like? I'm gonna tell you how to be cool, guys, because you know this summer that I had that changed my life. But it's so the tone of it makes no sense at all. He's just and he adds nothing to the movie. Like he absolutely adds nothing. He's and, just like. Yeah, Matt, Ad- Matt Adler backed this up on that because he, he even said he listened to the interview, which we'll post in two weeks. He 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 agreed with us on that. Did, didn't so, mean to cut you off, by the way. No, no, no. Listen, I I mean, it's like this doesn't make any sense to me what actually happened with this movie. And yes, Matt Adler talks about it a little bit, you know, as far as like having to do reshoots. But like clearly, whatever they shot in '85, like went across somebody's desk, and they were like. Mm, yeah, no, or maybe there was. Yeah. A, there, we know there was like a bit of a leadership change. Yes, there was a yes. bit of a, uh, you know, and 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 it kind of got shelved. But like to come back and have Sean Astin, uh, kind of he's he's very he's very like flippant about this summer, and at its core, I don't know what it was supposed to be. Yeah, th- this movie to me had uh, well, first of all, it had a really big impact on me as a kid because when I saw it. I had never done a summer camp and I wanted to go on a summer camp and it felt like my memories of when I watched it then versus when I watched it, when we all watched it together recently. Um, it was like a coming of age. I felt like it meant to be a coming of age drama with, with comedic elements, you know, to make it a little more lighthearted, but then obviously takes a real left turn when, when Vic, uh, Kevin Bacon becomes this power hungry, Ego, it's like a sociopath. Really, he's a sociopath. I mean, he really is. Yeah, and and being somebody who I you know, I worked summer camps at, I worked in summer camps, r- helped run summer camps, and I understand the ego behind that, where you've got this group of kids that just think you're God. They think everything you do is cool. Yeah. Everything you say is cool. You know that there's a scene in the movie where Vic is singing his song. Uh, you know, how's it go? Like. If there's love that you're running from, there's no hiding place. And it's like this weird kind of Motown song. Yeah. But the whole Chris is like looking at well, Mitch is at looking at everybody like, what? This is silly. And then and then everyone else in the van, the other three boys are like singing along to the song. Like they think it's so right. Cool. So Mitch Mitch is the Jonathan oh, sorry, Ward sorry, sorry. character. Not Mitch. Sorry. sorry. Mitch. So, Sean so, Aston's character. Sean Aston's character is Alan. Alan. Sorry. Alan's looking at him like. What the hell are you guys doing? And then they're all grooving to this song. Right. Oh, right. you're so cool, Vic. You're so cool. As if they've all done it before. Yeah. And we know at least, we know Matt Adler's character. Chris. Chris has yeah. done this before. Yeah. He did it last summer. And he's really cocky about yeah. it. Yeah. And he's like, I've been through all this before. Guys. Oh, yeah. It's a Modak thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Modak. <laughs> and, 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 you know, Kevin Bacon's character, Vic, like, he, yeah, he reminds me of those guys. I hate the stereotype, but those, those, like, those, you know, kind of white guys straight out of college who think they know everything about everything. Yeah. They think they're totally grounded to the earth and so cool because they took a history class. Yeah. They know what's up. And so everything they do is cool. Right. Everything. And so right down to the sleeveless shirts that he's wearing. And and Alan's like, 
it doesn't buy his shit. And I right. kind of relate to that. Where I'm yeah. like, I could see why he thinks that Vic is kind of a, a tool, you know? Um, yeah, and it should be worth noting, I think, too, that the song he's singing in the band is actually a Bacon Brothers song. It's a Bacon Brothers song. It becomes a Bacon Brothers yeah. song. And I'm not going to lie, as a yeah. kid, these are all the things I noticed as a kid. I just love, I thought Kevin Bacon was cool. Yeah. He, Quicksilver had just come out. And so it's got I, that hair. It just kind of hair. flops gloriously to where, wherever it lands. It's like perfect, right? And oh, I was man. not a footloose guy. I was yeah. not a footloose guy. You were uh, a footloose guy. Interesting. Where so he didn't appeal to me in that Quicksilver. Yeah. He did. So yeah. if you don't know about Quicksilver, go back and listen to that yeah. episode. Can't believe we're doing two Kevin Bacon movies in our first season, quote yeah, unquote. Right. Um, <laughs> but 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 no, this idea like uh, that Kevin Bacon also was a lanky dude. Not incredibly good looking by like quote unquote mainstream standards, but he had this coolness about him, this vibe that I always was like, why does he have, why is he so cool? Mystery, you know, which made me like him even more. He at one point is wearing a sweater in this that I thought was the same sweater from Quicksilver. Right. I think like we it. both questioned like that, it. Yeah. but it's not. Uh, even though those are both these are both Columbia Picture films, yeah, so. and, they, and they would just reuse the wardrobe. Yeah, probably. why not? Yeah. Um, but yeah, this movie is very confusing because you try to figure out what it really is. As a kid, I didn't care. I just took it as an adventure, yeah. and I didn't really mind the Sean Astin moments. Now, as an adult, I watch it. I'm like, oh come on, oh come on, that's jarring. It's, well, it's jarring, and it's just—it's not adding anything. It's not—you're right. We're not moving the story forward. It's nope. just saying this this kind of commentary on like, did Vic have to? Did Vic have to do that? No, did he? <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah. We just saw that. Like, yeah. we just saw that. Um, it reminds me of those VH1 shows in the late '90s, early thousands, where they'd have comedians interspersed in between like clips from music. Oh, videos yeah, or, yeah. You know. I'm suddenly just gonna interrupt the best part of the movie totally and just start talking about why i think this is stupid right and you're like yeah. no, no 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 wait your hawaiian shirt is stupid you're petting a goat which is random and you're in the middle of central park which is even more random you're trying to cue up things that we haven't seen yet yeah you're telling us what we just saw it's like there's just no point it doesn't add anything there's no emotional drive to it no uh we know that you're fine also like any dramatic moment we know you survived because you're in the future. So, like, yeah, that's you know, true. I didn't you're really think destroying about that. the tension. <laughs> that's true. Too. Like, oh my is God. Alan going to survive this fall? Is he going to fall off the bridge? No, because we just see him in the future talking to us. And like, those moments, if they cut those, if they cut his commentary out, those moments would be so much more effective. So much more effective. Because you're right. There, there are like three, three, four actually, four um, kind of arcs for Alan's character. The first one being the he's got a he's got to scale this bridge. So also really quick, yeah. just for continuity's sake, uh, this movie was filmed in Northern California, but also then they they reshot it in New Zealand. So there's moments in the movie where you're like, wow, oh that looks familiar, and then there's other moments where you're like, I've never seen this in my uh, entire right. life. And it's beautifully shot. I should just interject now because it's yes. it's one of my favorite things about the movie. Like every angle, it's it's gorgeous. Yes, it's gorgeous. Some of the best cinematography uh, for like an '80s movie, mainstream movie. John Alcott is the cinematographer for this film. Yes, thank film you. Dedicated thank you. Yes. And and if you don't know who he is, if you look up his resume on IMDb, he shot almost all of uh, Kubrick's films. Right. And which which we talked about in depth in the episode that I deleted, but uh, <laughs> and No was, Way Out, by the way, No Way Out is a really no way out is awesome. Yeah. yeah, so I'm just that's I just want to yeah, throw that out there. Legit cinematography, like it's every moment. You know, you believe that they're dangling, and I mean, it's just high tension, beautiful location. I and mean, we don't want to give too much away because if you haven't seen it, because I think a lot of people haven't seen this movie, you should definitely check it out. Absolutely. Uh, th- there's a there's a there's a bridge crossing scene that is very harrowing, and then there is this this. Uh, island survival scene that he has to deal with which is intense and then the the rock climbing scene equally intense yep. and then finally the river canoe scene which the is climax. the, the climax the climax of the movie yeah. kayak and, down the uh, down the the white water we yes. actually see the white water the, the, of the summer <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and I remember as a kid these are all things I wanted to experience in a weird way I yeah. wanted to do that. 
No, it was because he survived. It's all right. It's all very cool. Spoiler. It's all very cool, and I think as a movie, like it is, it is fun. You know, you you have a lot of questions about Kevin Bacon's character. Um, at least I I do. I think I think really my, my only you know gripe is the fact that you know like the 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 marketing situation and the um the big the movie poster the big the big poster oh, yeah. of the year <laughs> you, you know this. it has this photo of like you love to hate this it's just so absurd it's basically you've got Kevin Bacon and Sean Astin in a um, canoe going over a waterfall yes and Kevin Bacon looks like stressed out and Sean Astin's in the front with his arms casually crossed over like hey man ain't no thing sunglasses on and you know and basically and the tagline is the strong don't give up the tough don't give in and the cool don't give a damn (laughs) and and then it says whitewater summer adventure with an attitude which has nothing none of those things (laughs) have anything to do with this movie (laughs) it is absolutely Sean Astin is not cool he's terrified of like everything that happens here of course but it's not it's not it's like a coming of age movie gone wrong is yeah. what it is yeah his, his 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 don't give a damn attitude doesn't come until two years later yeah it's not Encino Man no it's not like <laughs> no, thank god it's not Danny Glover <laughs> and Mel Gibson you know it's 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 not like a bad that Jay Leno Pat Morita cop buddy movie oh, like it's like man. these this makes no sense to me why that would be the poster and just so so misleading yeah collision course and, by the way and yeah. collision course thank you <laughs> where Pat Morita takes a running start at a car and like does like a he like you know kicks through a windshield yeah um, total Jackie Chan moment it's yeah it's very ripped very off from Jackie Chan ridiculous but um, you know this this movie's poster makes me think of a lot of movies and actually I'll, I'll, I'll make an Instagram post of that like just misleading oh great idea misleading advertising yes advertising because if you saw that poster and then you saw the trailer that we played earlier or you heard you know and you you heard it in this case that's not the movie no because because Sean Astin his performance uh, at, in his 85 performance is very understated very meek and, and quiet and I really enjoy it I thought it was like he did a really good job. I think everybody does a really good job acting in this film, but then the '87 reshoots—it's almost just like, it, it, yeah, it doesn't—it doesn't it doesn't mesh at all. No. So if you take all those out, <laughs> if you take all those out, what you have at at its heart is a sweet coming of age movie, wouldn't you say? Well, except for the fact that Kevin Bacon's a sociopath. Yes. Like, but I think that's realistic too. Like, it is. It is. Yeah. If a camp, if a camp counselor. Finally, if if because when did you ever hear when did you ever see or hear someone standing up against a camp counselor back in the day? Right, like what so, they said was God. Right, Alan has some some defiance, but it's defiance that's kind of justified in a way. I mean, I think that right. So the first thing that happens right is that he brings this knife along, yes, to the to the trip and then carves his name into the tree. Yeah, which is fucked up. Right, which you know you don't want to do, but he yeah. doesn't know. Whatever, he's a kid. He's carving yeah. into a tree. But what does Kevin Bacon do? He makes an example of him, not at the moment yep. when he sees him doing it, but later, you know, and he's like, give me the knife, Alan, yeah. you know. And then everyone bags on him. Yeah. Right? Everybody whole, hates Alan yeah. for some reason. They call him, then his Dick, nickname is Dickhead or Dickface. Dickface, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, that drove me nuts too because his buddy in it, at one point I think his buddy... Um, Mitch is his buddy. Mitch. Or his closest in age. Yeah. Kind of like seems to understand That's what's going on. That's the only wonky part about it is their relationship. Because at one point Mitch seems like he's his buddy. And then he totally just jumps on top of him like, you know, it's your fault. What did you do? Like, what did you do, Alan? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and there's a, you know, the scene with the, the crossing the bridge, which is super intense. and involves tent poles that Alan was supposed to bring. He loses the tent poles. Then they can't set up their tents, and everyone's screaming at Alan like it's his fault. Right. Screaming at him. This would be a perfect opportunity for Kevin Bacon's character to be like, guys, 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 just chill out. Like, if, if you want everybody to be part of the fold, if, if you got Kevin Bacon and then you got four boys, and if we're all going to work cohesively as a five-person yeah. unit, it makes a lot of sense to say, 
like yeah hey guys like every, let's get everybody on board it's on the same page because we're all we're all in a potentially dangerous environment too like you got to look out for each other yeah and that brings me to probably my biggest point like flaw of the movie is that they never use the buddy system ever no kids are you know it's just like go get that thing it's like but that's like a mile away I don't care go get that thing can I bring somebody you know and then the other guys are like well sorry Alan like you gotta yeah. go get that thing it's like no it wouldn't happen that way no because you are liable you're liable for these these kids lives and that you know like who are essentially like what 12 13? yeah I mean Chris it seems to be the oldest 15, in the 16. group but still he's yeah. he's also very young yeah and, and Chris, Chris is it's interesting because uh, he does all the things that that Vic does. He totally right. looks up to him. He even has like the same similar hairstyle. They kind of look the same. I didn't put those two things together when yeah. I was a kid watching it with you recently. I was like, wait a minute. Oh yeah, this is he's totally doing what kids do. They look up to their idols. They idolize this guy. Vic is he's not a good uh, leader. He's not because, as we see at the very end, Sean Astin finally does step up and becomes the leader of the that that they all need. Yeah, and he's still eighty-five. Sean Astin. He's not cynical yet, so he's he still has kind of a meekness about him, but he's still making important decisions, which is kind of cool in a way because he's like stepping up. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I'm a, giving it's a, a lot it's more a, credit. What's a, well, a hard turn? I mean, because. You yeah, know, he basically is. Sean Astin's getting like ridiculed by the other boys and like you don't fit in kind of a thing. Yeah. And then at some point the boys realize they all realize that their counselor is insane. Yeah. And they try and like step up. Like, you know, there's a point where Alan um is essentially dangling from the mountain and he and Alan is terrified. It's a terrifying and scene. It's yeah. terrifying, you know, and, and Vic is like, Well you gotta you gotta swing. You gotta swing over. He's like, I can't. He's like, then you'll stay there. And then he leaves. And they're like, no, you don't You don't leave a man behind, Vic. And he's like, no, I don't care. But what happens, though? All three guys go. They leave. They all leave. Including Mitch. They all leave. Where he's like, Mitch, and please, like, right, don't leave right, me. Don't uh, leave me here uh, dangling. This little kid. Like, sorry, dude. I mean, that would be... Wop, wop. That, that would be it. Dude. That would be it. it, it and when they go back to camp, right. they're setting up camp. They're like, Vic, I don't think you should have done that. He's like, I don't care, guys. Yep. He's fine. And... <laughs> And what isn't mentioned here, and also something that's, that stands out to me, is like at some point where it's with the original suspension bridge, um, Sean Aston loses his glasses. Yes. He can't see. <laughs> yes. He doesn't have his glasses yes. for the entire movie. As somebody who needs glasses, I couldn't do any of that. Like, I mean, maybe I could, but it's like, you, if you can't see, so, you, so now he's dangling, yeah. and he can't really even see where he needs to grab or... You know things at night. They can't. You know, so that to me, it's like, come well, on, guys. Well, and also he, they're caught in a rainstorm at one point. Yeah. And that's when Sean Astin's on the island, and by himself, and he has to kind of fend for himself. Uh, he, and if you can't see very well already, and then there's a downpour, you, and it's night. Yeah, and it's, it's nighttime. just like, yeah, that's 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 definitely. And going down the whitewater rafts and having to navigate at the end in the canoe. Yes, you know? and see things and Vic's, you know. And Vic keeps doing things under the kind of umbrella of like, well, he's got to learn how to be a man. Yep, sorry guys. And, and and everybody kind of locks steps, goes with it, you know. Everybody, yeah, everybody's just like, yeah. Um, and there's a, there's a moment there too where you're saying we're kind of where everyone kind of turns on Vic in a way. Like during that survival night of downpour, uh, it's it's the following day, I, I think. When when they because well because during the downpour they're like, are you gonna go get Alan? That's and right. he's like, well, he hasn't sent the signal yet. Yeah. We're like, what's the signal? Yeah. He's on an island, yeah. like not near you. Like, yeah. what is the signal? <laughs> yeah. Did you even establish the signal? No, no. Like I haven't started. So he's just like freezing. Yeah, and then know? Vic's missing the night when he come when he finally gets back. Vic's everyone's excited to see him. And then Vic takes off, right? Vic's gone, and then there's that big downpour right. where they lose their tent. And, and their minds. And their minds, because yes. George has a meltdown. Right. He's like, I right. want to go home. But then the next morning, Vic shows up. Hey, right. Vic. Hey, hey, guys, you did it. Don't you see what this means? And then, You're heroes. Right? And then and, 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 uh, Alan's like, where were you? You know? Yeah. And no, everyone else is like, come on, Alan, it's okay. Yeah. It's all good now. 
which is really reminds me of like every dysfunctional relationship where yeah. you're just like, no, 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 it's okay. No, no, okay. no, 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 we're fine now. He yeah. apologized. <laughs> he apologized. Yeah, dude, totally. He meant it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and the music really adds to this movie. Like the, that was another thing that really stood out to me too. I think as a kid, I love, I, you know, you and I both are part of that MTV generation. Um, but I love when a song perfectly matches what you're seeing on screen. Yeah. Michael Mann, in my opinion, was the best at yeah. doing that. But besides that Bruce Hornsby Wild Frontier song, he's also got on the Western Skyline, which is more mainstream, I guess, more well-known. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the island scene has uh, a song by the cutting crew, which everyone knows is, you know, I just died in your arms tonight. Like, okay, yeah, I get that. But they actually had a really big uh, catalog of mm-hmm. music. And the song in there is called Life in a Dangerous Time. If you don't know that album or song, it's so damn good, yeah. in my opinion. Um, there's a song, and then there's like, you know, little songs here and there. There's one song that I cannot find anywhere. It's called Hot Shot. Hot Shot. It's one of the uh, <laughs> canoe song. It's it's a canoe song. Yeah. You can't find it on, on YouTube. Nope, no, the, it doesn't exist. This is kind of like your Jake Speed mystery oh, song. Oh yeah, you know well, where yeah. you only the only version you can find is this two minute clip. Yep. But it's it's uh, Alan and Vic complaining over each other uh-huh. in the rapids. Don't need that. And then and then the climbing scene features my second favorite cult song aphrodisiac jacket not my first one first one is um my first favorite cult song is she sells sanctuary oh right seashells sanctuary by the seashore (laughs) she sells sanctuary (laughs) (laughs) but the cult had so they actually that was a kick-ass band back in the day and they have the cult on there and then it culminates at the end i love this it's like perfect set pieces for every scene the um the the ending of the movie wraps up with Be Good to Yourself by Journey, and it was the last yeah. album that Journey yeah. did with Steve Perry, um, which is heartbreaking in a way. But the these scenes use that music so effectively. Yeah. Just so effectively. The bridge scene, though, and the whitewater rapid scene at the end don't have music, which you pointed out when we were watching it. Right. Super effective. Yeah, yeah. Because when he's when he goes to the bridge initially, it's like high tension music. When he goes back, there's no music, and it's used so well uh, to convey this sense of like, oh man, he might really fall. We know he won't fall because we see him in the future talking about yeah you know, that he didn't fall or whatever. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's surprise. It's, Darth Vader's your dad. We just found that out in the first five minutes of the movie, right? <laughs> You know, this guy's going to be my dad later. But anyway, uh, did I have a great summer? <laughs> I did. <laughs> my dad was a real jerk. You're going to find that in this movie. Mm. Um, <laughs> but I think, uh, to your point about, you know, this music, I think, really captures that time. Like, 80s summers. It's like, it's... It's the perfect mixtape. It sets such a great feeling, yeah. It's a mixtape uh, soundtrack. Yep. That where you could just put this entire mixtape on and be like, well, there you go. I think there's even an Iron Maiden. It sounds like an Iron Maiden song that Alan's listening that's to at one point on his Walkman. Right. And that's when another point where Vic takes his Walkman and smashes it against a, uh, or takes his radio. Yeah, he's a radio. And smashes it against, uh, like, or no, it's, actually it's Chris Mets. does He's that. like, it's the Mets. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think he does. He take the radio. I think. I think what it is is that. Or no, Vic, he says Vic's doing yoga. He's like, Are, I thought we were above such things now, or yeah. above such childish things. He says a line where it's like, Yeah, I, th- I think I thought we were above such childish shit things. Then we flash forward to Sean asking to be like, Did Vic have to say it like that? No, he could have said, Turn off the radio. But he said, You know, and and that's and then Chris smashes the radio. Chris smashes the radio later because Chris Matt Adler because he's Vic is missing. Yeah, at that yeah. point and he's like really feeling the the, the tension and, and he becomes Vic he's stressed out and he becomes Vic he, he becomes he the, lashes out yeah like cat's cradle break, right break the radio but to me it's like <laughs> it's one thing to say you know 
we don't want to have a radio out here as we're surviving in the wilderness. Um, but it's another thing to say, like, he gets mad at Alan when Alan makes that ingenious fish. Al- Alan captures all these fish. He makes a contraption using out of a contraption nature. Out of nature. He, like, takes some logs and captures fish. Yeah. And Kevin Bacon's mad at him, like, you better throw those back. Yeah. You didn't do it the right way. You didn't it's do it like, the Modoc way. I completely disagree <laughs> uh, with that. Yes, I agree, too. Because he's also, I disagree. Like, I agree with everybody. your disagree. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't have brought a radio. And maybe Vic should have said, like, don't bring a radio on the trip. Don't bring a knife to do's carve into the wall. You know, Where's the do's and don'ts yeah. list? That everyone gets when they go to camp. You know, Hello? bring sunscreen. Don't bring um, radio. Bring things to invent a fish contraption. <laughs> you know, don't bring a um, VCR. I mean, it's like, yeah. And let's, and let's be honest, too. When Vic is encouraging, in the beginning of the movie, when he's doing his PowerPoint presentation... Uh, for the parents, his slideshow, uh, the mom is like all over this shit. She and, and he's she's loving. It. He's not flirting yeah. with her, but there is a weird. Yeah. And I love how if you read the 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 fun trivia facts about this movie on IMDb, they're like, well, the the actress that plays his mom is the only female in the movie. Yeah. They're like, well, yeah, this is also 1987, and yeah. they didn't give a shit about proper representation no, but it's, it's, it's not a giant cast yeah. you know it's a small it, film there's like five people in it six people in it anyway it's like yeah and it's a camping movie like I love I maybe because I just didn't do it enough as a kid I loved camping movies as a kid yeah I just love them I don't know why I, not I, I mean I loved uh, horror camping slasher movies but that's the whole other genre but I love like coming of age roughing it wild movies mm. Uh, meatballs. Yeah, meatballs no, is a good example. Well, it's not roughing it. It's not roughing it, but yeah. but like uh, there's a Don Coscarelli who did Phantasm, uh, did a movie called Survival Quest, which is uh-huh. kind of surviving the game. It's an yeah. action movie. This is not an action movie. This is more a drama. But I love that idea of like, what do you do in the wilderness? How are you gonna get there? Mm-hmm. Um, the, that movie, the later on in the late '90s with Alec Baldwin and. Uh, Anthony Hopkins called The Edge, I think it's called. Uh-huh. That was a really cool kind of wilderness, like one man's survival sure. tale. I love, I love all that shit. So watching this movie, I'm like, I'm Sean Astin. I, re- I mean, I really wanted to be um, Chris. I thought Chris was cool, even though he had his meltdown moments, you know, breaking the radio and being yeah. a jerk. But I thought he looked cool. And this is after North Shore, so I'm like, oh, this is like Rick Kane, Rick man. Kane, man. Yeah. So yeah, all those things combined, uh, it's just funny. All those things combined made it really enjoyable to watch it as a kid. Watching right. it now, I'm like, there's a lot of flaws, but those flaws don't take away from the fun moments in the movie. But one thing I noticed now that I didn't notice back then was how much swearing this movie had for a PG-13 movie. Oh yeah, like a shit ton of swearing. Yeah, and 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 and. George at one point is buying a Hustler mag or a penthouse or something. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute. This is, who are you gearing this movie towards? Because clearly they, I mean, like you said earlier in the episode, no, they had no clue who they were gearing. They really didn't, towards. no. They were like, it's going to be a funny comment. Like you'd think, you'd think you were going like to watch Encino Man or something based on the marketing materials. And it's not that at all. And yeah. what it is, I mean, it's better than Encino Man. I'd watch this movie you know, 10 times before I watched the cinema. I agree. But, um, oh, I was going to ask you if you have ever done like a camping scenario like this because you're saying you were really into the, the You know, I can't, my dad being a Navy SEAL was uh, big into camping when I was really little and he'd take us out and, and, and I remember my brother was terrified with cleaning fish. Yeah. And there's that scene where he makes Alan gut a fish. Yeah. I didn't, well, I wasn't grossed out by it because I'm like, this is what you do. This yeah. Is, this is how you eat, right? Um, my mom took me camping like once or twice, and then suddenly I went from mm, I don't want to get dirty. And, mm, yeah. Can we just can we glamp? You know, there was that shift for me. I really so badly wanted to go to summer camps when I was a kid that did yeah. stuff like this, but I didn't. How about you? I've never done like this level of outdoorsiness, like where you know I've certainly I've done like whitewater on a trip and stuff but never like camped camped out climbed a mountain got to the thing yeah 
Um, Scound sounds kind of cool, though, doesn't it? If it you does, had a cool <laughs> camp counselor. It does sound cool. Yeah. I mean, I spent a lot of time watching this movie, like, being like, well, okay, but they only have one boat, so how are they going to all, like, meet down there? Like, you know, it's just like trying to figure that out, which is not time well spent. That would be one line they could just say, well, you know, well, we'll make sure we get that boat. Or uh, whatever. whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, nobody thinks about that stuff. That's what I was thinking about this time. They like, should, though. Like, what's the, how are they going to do that? Because they should. Um, but no, yeah, so I haven't really um, done that. And, you know, do I have a desire to? Not, I mean, I, I enjoy going out into nature and I always appreciate when I'm out there, but yeah. then it's just it's just getting motivated to like, okay, what's this going to look like? It's kind of my feeling about being at the beach. Like, I love being yeah. in the beach, but I hate sand. Yeah. And hate, I know hate's a strong word, but it gets everywhere. It gets everywhere, yeah. And then next thing you know, it doesn't come off you because right. there's tar and in the just, sand. You just feel <laughs> disgusting. Yeah. yeah. And then you can scrub it and then yep. still you find it a day yep. later. I opened up my yep. wallet the other day. I haven't been to the beach in couple weeks there's sand in my wallet i'm like how the hell did the sand get in my wallet but i think when everything's idealized as a kid so you're like oh yeah this is gonna be an adventure and then you realize it's not an adventure it's kind of sucks you know yeah yeah i think that's probably what would happen that climbing scene where he's stuck on that mountain is so terrifying yet everyone else doing it i'm like oh they're doing it it's cool you know right and i love people pointed out the fact that chris does the scene without um without the gear on like he doesn't at one point they have all they make the kids wear this heavy duty like carabiners and straps and i don't know why they throw like eight carabiners around them for some reason Uh oh yeah yeah i don't doesn't make sense to me i've climbed i've never done that before uh but but then when chris does it he doesn't have any gear on and mm-hmm. they're like well Chris didn't have the gear on yeah but this kid is a little more advanced than the other kids people have talked about this well at least on IMDB oh okay it's like one of like, the goofs who, who, it's a goof okay and I'm like Got I don't it. know if that's a goof it's more of like a you'd say an artistic choice artistic choice yeah interesting speaking of artistic choices at the end credits of this movie <laughs> it's a very interesting artistic choice yeah where the credits roll and the very last thing that reads on the text after the instead of the Columbia Pictures logo uh, it says, this is the end. And this is underlined. Yeah. What do you think that's about? Do you think that they were so happy to finally be done with the movie? Or When is, did Ferris or, Bueller's Day Off come out? 1986. 86. Okay, so this comes out after 86. Ferris Bueller was the movie. There's a connection here. Ferris okay. Bueller's the movie where you know, the credits roll and he's like, the movie's over. Go home. Go yeah. home. Yeah. Like, it's funny. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh my God, it's funny. So my feeling, and then now I'm making another connection because Ferris would talk directly to the camera, yeah. right? Maybe they're trying to pull a little bit of Ferris Bueller's Day Off humor in there. Maybe. And that at the end, like they're like, guys, this giant, is... <laughs> this is like a giant stretch to me because there's nothing entertaining about the credits at all. You know what I mean? Like, There's nothing entertaining. Ferris Bueller, it's like, wow, he's still talking to us. You know, and then he's... The, yeah, so... I'm just saying... No, that's interesting, but I don't necessarily think that's... Because, like, you're like, that's the best thing you could do? This like, that's is the, the best? End. This I mean, is the end. Could have... You know what I would have... This is the end. Would this have helped if they had put a question mark at the end? This is the end? Yeah. Or is this only the beginning? I don't know. Kind of like what they did in Flash Gordon, you know? Yeah. Giant question mark. Right. Have we still been waiting on... Come on, make yeah. a sequel to that. Yeah. Why didn't they make a sequel? Buck Rubanzai. He's like, Buck Rubanzai, we're back. You're like, we're still waiting on him. Yeah, where is he? I mean, uh, he went across the eighth dimension and then he, then he was going to come back in that other story that they specifically named. And I'm drawing a blank on the specifics, but like, that looks awesome. That would make a great TV series, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Buck Rubanzai. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> So some other things probably happened in these. Hey, right? you know what? Look, yeah, I mean, to, to just to wrap up Whitewater Summer, uh, I would say I still love this movie. Watching it now, I love watching these movies with my lens now. Yeah. Being aware of things that are not okay in today's day. But it still makes it very enjoyable to watch. The soundtrack is kick-ass. Yep. And that in in itself makes it worth the price of admission uh, because I don't think this is available for free anywhere. You actually would have to rent it on iTunes, right? Which yeah, I think is worth two ninety nine. Whatever, yeah, um, that's worth it. Yeah. But yeah, eighty seven, 
And I agree with you, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Sorry. I agree with you. Yeah, no. I was going to say. I think it's a good... Um, it's a good movie. Yeah. I mean, I'm very critical of, of just the narration, obviously, as you probably very clear by now but dude it makes total sense yeah. like everything you said makes you total it. sense to me I, I couldn't stand it and yeah. then they pull away at the end and Sean Astin's like in Central Park with a goat which right. makes oh, no sense and saying he will never go camping again yes so what do we I won't do it what, again what do we what have we learned from this like nothing <laughs> nothing really because at the end if you if you ended it without him doing that and it, the ending is Whatever. The ending is Kevin Bacon, Sean Astin, make it to the end of the whitewater rafting trip. In well, the and also, like, okay, I, we just need, I just need to, we just need to mention this because yes. it's important. The boys have a mutiny yes, against Kevin Bacon. They do. He gets gravely injured after the climbing. Uh, yes. Because yep. they've had enough of his shit, and he, they're just not, not listening to him anymore. Gets a compound fracture, which they show, by the way. Yes. Horrible, horrible, horrible leg injury. Yes. So now the boys are like, this isn't good. We need to save his life. And, and it's ultimately Alan that, you know, Alan. Uh, Alan does it. And that, to me, is a very strong ending. They could have, yeah. Uh, which you could have wrapped up in any number of ways and buttoned up very beautifully. You don't need to go back to, to, to future Sean Astor. Yeah, because he's like, whoa, 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 hold yeah. on a second, hold on a yeah. second. Because that's what hey, happens. The, yeah. movie, the music's playing, the Journey song... You know, yep. be good to yourself. Nobody else will. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the and and that's how it ends. And then you got Sean Astin. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! Hold on a second. Hold the presses. And this reminds me of the Sean Astin in Like Father, Like Son. It's almost the exact same character he plays. Trigger. He, yeah, Trigger. He's sarcastic. <laughs> he's cocky. He he's 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 like just a little he's a little shit. Yeah. He's a teenage yeah. shit. Yeah. And he's that's his character. And yeah. they probably were because that movie came out in 87 or 88. They just pulled him off that set. I and it's also a Columbia Pictures movie. They just pulled movie. him off that set like play that guy. Yeah, oh, he looks man. exactly the same. That would be weird and make sense at the same time. Cuz then he went on to do Toy Soldiers. Yeah. Which I love Toy Soldiers, but Sean Astin and I love Sean Astin. But there are some moments of Sean Astin that I'm not a huge fan of. In Toy and, Soldiers? In, in, in his acting choice. Oh, yeah. In the cocky Sean Astin, I'm not as big of a fan. I'm more of a fan of, like, young, meek, quiet, goony Sean Astin than... But the teenage Sean Astin? Well, and it's, great in my I, I told years. you that I thought Sean Astin was so cool when I was a kid. And you were like, really? Yeah. And I was like, but there's this movie called Brat Patrol. That, that Sean Astin not I Brat love. Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> Rap Patrol being an acronym for like I don't know but they're they're military kids they're military they're military uh... it's not Toy Soldiers? no no Rap Patrol is a movie that was a made a made for TV Disney movie oh yeah that's right with uh, it's got the Nia, kid from Explorers Nia Long Nia and Long. the kid from Explorers that kid should have had a bigger career and opinion. Sean Astin like is like wakes up like I'm late for school and then he's like he has this motorized skateboard. Ooh, with cool. like, you know, he put you just push a little thumb trigger. Which they have now. Shoots him forward. He's like, I'm not late for school. Whoa. It's like out of my way. You know, and I'm like, that's cool, Sean Astin. How how so, old was Sean Astin at this time? He was young. He was he was young. I'm, 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 there's something there's something more innocent and cute about a kid that age versus being a teenager, legit teenager, and being just thinking he can own the world. But he was a cool kid and I felt like he but he but he you know, he backed it up. Okay, uh, I can do that, that. That was 86 in its initial release, which seems strange. Oh, right before to me. he hit puberty. But <laughs> um, but anyway, it was the magical world of Disney like presents the Brat Patrol. Is that on Disney Plus? I don't know. I don't have Disney Plus, but Disney Plus is blowing it as far as content it. is concerned. You guys are blowing it. But the Brat, Brat Patrol was was dope. Oh, I'm going to have to check out Brat Patrol. Yeah, I hope they do have it. Yeah, Sean Astin, the narration like father, like son, toy soldiers, Encino Man. He went on this rise of cockiness. Yeah. And Encino yeah. Man was when he was at his cockiest. And I'm not a fan of the cockiest. He was such. He was like so dorky. He was like. He was like. He didn't play it with like an authenticity. I don't want to be critical of his Encino Man performance, but I'm gonna be. It's Encino uh, Man. I mean, you know. No offense, guys. Yeah. Like, but he like at one point he's like the girl that he likes. He's like. Robin, I've got a photo. We were naked once together, and like shows her a photo of the two of them in like a bathtub, and you're like, yeah. "Come on, jackass!" Like, 
don't be that guy. Like, there's no reason for you to be this yeah. annoying. Yeah. I wanted more of Pauly Shore in that, and less of Brendan yeah. Fraser and, and Sean. But anyways, yeah. uh, and more of Peter DeLuise. Or no, it was one, not Peter DeLuise. It was Peter DeLuise's brother. The other the, guy. The main bully guy? Yeah, who's great. It wasn't Peter Shush! Oh, yeah. What DeLuise was that? Anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> so doesn't matter. That's but, another DeLuise. Yeah. Um, who lives in Santa Monica, by the way. So, Got it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Go see him. So, in a nutshell, overall, fans of Whitewater Summer, bada bing, bada yep. boom. Yep. 87, though, uh, things we're a fan of, not a fan of. Top selling auto in 1987 was the Ford Escort. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. And the Ford Taurus. Wow. I associate two of those things. I associate I associate Ford Escorts as being the moment in my time that I can remember that newspapers were no longer being delivered in what in my view by kids on bikes, but people in cars in San Jose. In Ford Escorts. Ford Escorts. San Jose Mercury News, which was my local newspaper when I was living in the Bay Area. Uh, people would be driving those cars. With that magnet on, with the logo of the newspaper on the car, yeah. Ford Escorts wow. throwing the papers out. I'm like, that's weird. That doesn't. What, how wow. you know what happened there? Um, and then the Ford Taurus, I associate with mom cars, parent cars. Yeah, for sure. Like that was the car sure. that all the families were driving. Yeah. At that like, point. What color Taurus are you going to pick me up in, friends, mom? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's so many shit cars. Man, '87 was a bad year yeah. for cars. Ford Tempo. With Tempo, uh, there were these, like, thing. The Tempo was the name of a, um, a, a, a chewable that would help you with digestion. <laughs> so, I always associated it with, like, didn't, really? Didn't like, last. Because huh? there, there's, a, there's a car now. It's been out for a long time now. It's called a Murano, I think. Mm, yeah, And I'm sure. like, it's Moron. It says Moron yeah. in the name. I don't want to drive a car that says Moron. You're a Morano. <laughs> you're a, you're a Morano. Um, and then the uh, set, the Chevy Celebrity. Sounds like such a cheese ball mm. driving this yeah. Chevy. So, by the way, the Ford Escort was the top-selling auto. It was only 7000 bucks. Wow. <laughs> For a car? My That's God. crazy. New? Wow. <laughs> Uh, we've talked about this before on other podcast episodes, but uh, the Simpsons premiered. Uh, the Simpsons premiered on the Tracy Ullman show. Oh, really? I thought, was, I thought that we had determined that it was that it was that the Simpsons premiered. It was turned into a series in '89. Okay, okay. okay. Um, and so, yeah. And then there was the USSR plane. Uh, the plane, a plane lands on the Red Square. Do you remember that when yeah. that Cessna landed? In, yeah. Dude, that was a huge deal. A 19-year-old kid, West German kid, landed his small Cessna. And the only reason I know what a Cessna is is from Iron Eagle. Isn't that funny? My only connection with things are from movies on television. He landed his airplane in Moscow, landing in the Red Square. Uh, he flew the plane undetected into Soviet airspace, stating that his motivation was to bring peace between the Soviets and the West. When he was arri- when he arrived, he was greeted by curious strangers and then arrested for violating Soviet airspace. Okay. Duh. He was sentenced to four years in a labor camp, but was released after 14 months as part of a goodwill measure. Mm. Um, this was the first moment for me as a kid where... I learned about governments doing deals. Ah. Right? You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You get, I will let your kid go, but you need to give us something in exchange. Yeah. Right? Like I Iron didn't Eagle. know about that yeah. shit. Like Iron Eagle, they used to do deals. Yes. <laughs> what was the guy? Iron Eagle, play, land your plane now. Kiss my ass. Yeah. <laughs> Those bastards are going to get you, man. Doug, gotta, uh, we got to cover uh, Iron Eagle at some do. point, dude. Uh, okay, and then of course, and I think we might have mentioned this before. Germany, as when Reagan, you know, gave his famous speech on yeah. June twelfth, tear down your wall, Gorbachev. Yeah. Man, to think that Gorbachev was a threat back then, yeah. And what what we have now, yeah. You know, when I was a kid, when we were kids, I thought oh, we'll have all this shit figured out. Totally. We went backwards. We, I, yeah. It's so it's so interesting. I think the same way. Usually, I'm like, I'm like, right. We won't have that problem. World wars. No, we won't. 
Nah. We're world civil war? No, we won't have another civil war. Terrible president? Nah. Yeah. No. A moron? Just like nah. an app, just like the stupidest fucking person you've ever seen in your life <laughs> leading the country? That makes no fucking sense. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then on a lighter note, Aretha Franklin was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Nice. <laughs> and I saw her live once. Uh, a nice. good friend of mine, rest in peace, Daniel Chambers. Uh, he one one random night, he's like, "Hey, I got tickets to see Aretha Franklin in at the Universal um, Amphitheater. Wow. You want to go check her out?" Yeah. I'm like, yeah. "Yeah." She put on a three hour show. Wow. Costume changes. Wow. I think at this point, this is like maybe five or six years before she passed away. Wow. Just phenomenal, man. Wow. And I'm like, and I was never was I didn't I didn't dislike her music, but I wasn't a huge fan. But man, no, it's it's awesome when like you you're familiar with somebody in like a limited way, and you see them live, and it changes your entire perspective of them, and you're like, where have I been? You know, you yeah. Has that ever happened to you with an artist where you you suddenly started listening to their music after that, after you well, saw them live? You know, when I the one that comes up for me is actually like like Prince when I saw Prince live because I I obviously I mean you nobody doesn't know who Prince is, yeah. but like to really appreciate how prolific yeah and like deep his like the, you know he was playing things and I was like what is that song like you yeah. know and then just diving into all these songs that I just never knew about because you and I we're part of the generation that we're the last generation to really like appreciate vinyl before it became retro and mm-hmm. cool um, and we're the first generation to learn about singles yeah and where you just listen to the single and that was it <clears throat> right so we I are buy those cassettes for like a dollar 29 at yeah. Sam Goody you know <laughs> Goody, Black Box, Goody got it <laughs> Black Box Strike It Up side <laughs> two like Dan everybody whatever yeah oh my god this one kid I don't want to hear anything else this one kid his name's Ali Galami uh, a kid I went to high school with. We're still friends, by the way. Okay, good. Uh, and, and he he gets we get in the car one day and he's like, "Oh, check out this single I got. It's by this guy named Paperboy. It's called Diddy." And I'm like, "What? Yeah. Okay, cool." And this song ended, and he's like, "Listen, listen to it again. It's on the other side." And it's on the other side. Yeah, the same exact same song. song. Not even like a, not a remix. Nothing. Nothing. And the same thing. And it, maybe a 15 minute car yeah. ride to school. And listen to that song about six times. And he, he I still yeah. give him shit to this day. Like, yeah. you remember? I, yeah, let's go listen to Diddy for the eighteenth time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Yeah, you say that about Prince. Like, that makes total sense because. So my point of bringing up the single generation, we were we were the first generation that stopped listening to the entire album. Yeah. We're like, oh, I just need the one song. Right. I, and 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 so that evolved into the iPod generation, the seat. Well, sorry, right. CD then iPod. That's right. Um, so. When you got an artist that maybe had an extensive catalog, like I saw the band Traffic, and I and I didn't appreciate who they were until I saw them live. Right, like, right. Holy shit! This is gonna sound kind of lame, but I saw Better Than Ezra live, and I had only known them for the song "Good." Yeah. And then I realized whether they're cool or not, it's neither here nor there. Their catalog of music is. It's pretty damn good. Yeah, well, it's like certain bands. It's like it's like sometimes you're just not motivated to dig that deep. Yeah, you know, it's like I, no, I just like this one song. Yeah, I just want to listen to, you know, this is a terrible example, but I just want to listen to Losing My Religion. Yeah, you know, again, and I don't. Or want Cutting Cruise. I just died in your there arms you tonight. Right, and then you like, listen and you're like, got Whoa. the album. I don't want to listen to the rest of the album. Yeah, I just don't want it. Like, yeah, so I, I appreciate that. You know, Life in a Dangerous Time. By the way, yeah. check it out. Yeah, that whole album. They've got a song called uh, One for the Mockingbird. Which is really cool too. All right, it's got a caw caw caw. But yeah, that's awesome. uh, that's what happened in right. 1987. That's, that's great. It's a nice way to button it up. That is good. Yeah, and, and we're keeping it like contained because obviously we cover a lot of 87 movies. Oh, we'll be back. Yeah. 87 we, will be back. Great year for movies. But this so. is obviously, like we said in the beginning of the episode, a lead-in to our interview with Matt Adler, which will come out two weeks from now. So, so Matt Adler, right? Uh, North Shore, leading North Shore. Um, obviously, this movie we just covered about Water Summer. Teen um, Wolf. Teen Wolf is a big one. He's the, Lewis, yes. the, um, the kind of the, the third wheel of uh, Michael J. Fox and Styles. And Dream a Little Dream. He was and, in. Yep. Stay tuned for that. It's nice to nice to be back with you in person. Likewise. Yep. Ditto. Yep. This was. Uh... <sighs> I'm gonna get emotional right now. Feels different. Yeah, but you know what? The cool don't give a damn. <laughs> so I don't give a damn. 
cool don't give a damn that is going over a waterfall. Stupid. The cool do give a damn. Yeah. So for all you young listeners out there, uh, impressionable listeners, yeah. the cool give a big damn. Yeah, wear a mask and give a damn. Yes, and go vote, vote and and uh, donate some money if you got it. Yep. Every penny counts. Black Lives Matter. Yep. Truth, vote, Every, please. Yes. And until then, until the next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. Hey, if you like me, and I know you do, listen to Two Dollar Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. They're pretty cool. All right, thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four. Is it five star rating? <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five star rating on iTunes. We really. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great too. And you can find us on the internet. Don't forget to check out our website at $2LateFee.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at $2LateFeePodcast. We'll see you next time. We did it. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.